verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. God is spiritual, but I am not. I am flesh. Things I decide and do are not necessarily spiritual. In verse 15, it says, For that which I do, I allow not. For that I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. In other words, I want to do good, but I can't. What I hate to do, that's what I end up doing. In verse 16, it says, If then I do that which I would not, those things that I don't want to do, I consent unto the law that it is good, because now then it's no more that I do it, but it's the sin that dwells in me. It's the sin that's, that's, that's influencing me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform it. I want to do it, but how to actually perform it, how to actually do it, that which is good, I find not. I I want to do good, but man, just getting that out is really hard. Verse 19, it says, For the good that I would, that I want to do, I don't do. But the evil, which I don't want to do, that's what I do. And yes, I'm paraphrasing a little bit to help with our understanding. In verse 20, it says, Now if I do that what I don't want to do, it is no more I, but it's uh, that sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God that after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. There's this tug of war happening that what, I, what I'm doing and what I want to do, what my actions are and what my desires are. I want to live for God, but it's really hard to live for God. And there's just tug of war happening and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members or in my flesh. In verse 24, it says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? In verse 25, it says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. For just a few moments tonight, I want to talk on this topic of influencer. The influencer in our lives. Pastor, would you pray? Amen. Before you're seated, look to your neighbor and tell him, I'm under the influence. Like it or not, where you sit today on April the, got to look at my date here, April the 24th, 2022, you live in the digital age. Everything you look at, everything you see, somewhere, some way, has a connection back to a one or a zero in some computer bank somewhere. 
I could take a very quick pull here just by the uplifting of not hands, but those little devices that you have in your pocket. How many have some kind of phone that they call a smartphone that's smarter than each and every one of us? Go ahead and raise them up. You got them. It's right there. Some of you are on them right now. You're like, yep, yep, I'm looking. Oh, sorry. I didn't pay attention. I was looking at my phone. Yeah, yeah, it's there. Some of you say, I don't have a smartphone because I'm not smart enough to use my phone. But we live in a digital age, and one of the things that has happened in the recent uh, past is the introduction of influencers. You see these on the digital platforms of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and all those other ones that I don't know about, and good Lord help me, I never do know about them, but they're they make millions and millions of dollars by getting on and doing what to me looks like nothing. They get on there and they talk about things or you have these children that get on there and play with toys so that your kids can watch other kids play with toys. And the whole, their whole existence is so that your kid wants the toy that the other kid is playing with. And we're like, well, that's just crazy. But trust me, the adults do the same thing. Because it may not be a Barbie doll or a uh, toy set of some sort, but it's a clothing item or it's a car or it's a nice nifty new tool. For those of you who may not realize you've been in the digital age for a while, do you remember the infomercial? Yep, if you were up at 2 a.m., at some point in the past 15 years, you saw an infomercial. You saw all, what was that, what was that, guy, the, what was that guy's name that, that sold all amazing something? He was, he'd see, everything was amazing, though, right? It was an amazing squeegee, an amazing mop, an amazing cleaner. And yes, I've bought some of those amazing products, and they are in my amazing cupboard collecting amazing dust. We have lived in a digital age for a while, and these people that get on there, these influencers, their sole existence is to affect your behavior, to change your mind, to get you to do something that you didn't know you wanted to do. That's how they make money. And like it or not, they make a lot of money. There's this guy I, I watch on, on, on YouTube or Facebook or whatever it is, and his whole channel, this is what he does. He walks around and finds people driving very expensive cars, and all he does is say, hey, nice car, what do you do for a living? And I watch this because I'm like, you get like this vast array of people that, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a real estate person. But then you start getting, he's like in California or he's in all these other places. He's like, I'm I'm a YouTube person. I'm an influencer. And I'm like, they're driving in half a million dollar car. And all they do is get on the Facebook and go, I'm in the wrong business, folks. I wish they watched church that much. It gave us that much. Anyway, anyway, let's, let's not live stream. If you want to send your offerings in, we, we take checks up to and including $1 million. It's fine. You can do that. But that's how they make money. We have people that are famous just because they're famous that should not be famous, like, you know, the Kardashians. You should not know that name. <laughs> but we all do, right? What have they done? What have they produced? Content, <laughs> Right? 
That's all they've done is put their faces on a screen somewhere. We have kids. What was that? Ryan's Toys. Is that what it was? That they, and, and I would walk through the store and my daughter or my son would go, it's Ryan's Toys. And I went, what? And it's like this egg full of other kids' toys, I guess. And it's like $60. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not buying that. But we really want it. Why? Because we watch them play with it. They are influenced by these people. Why? I mean, the other one that I, I love seeing my kids, they get on there and they watch other kids play video games. So they'll sit and play a video game for a couple hours, and then they'll get on YouTube and watch another person play that same video game for a couple hours. And it's like, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of time on video games. I think we need to curb that a little bit. But people are influenced by this. They're, they're be, that the reason why they do this is because it works. Companies would not be paying these people millions and millions of dollars if it doesn't if it didn't work. Their our behavior is altered. You buy the product they're pushing. You do the thing they're doing. You go to the place they're at. Why? Because you watched it and you wanted it. You wanted to do the same thing. You wanted to experience the same thing. You wanted to have it. And it, it, we're influenced by it. And those aren't the only influencers that we have in our life. Artists, they say, are influenced by other artists and their, and, and their brush strokes or, or, what, or music or anything like that. You can hear or see the influences. We also, ever heard of nature versus nurture? We know that a, a debate, right? How you behave and how you act is either a product of nature it's just how you are or nurture the people around you. They say one or the other is going to influence you, but the, whatever side of the equation you want to sit on, the, the regardless of that, the, the, the stance still is you're influenced by one or the other or both. Where you are or who you're around. You are what you eat. Have you heard that one before? Some of, I know, I know I have a couple kids that are just a big chicken nugget. Because that's all they eat. You are what you eat. My doctor has told me that several times. You get good stuff in, you're going to be healthy and good. You put bad stuff in, you're going to be, you're influenced by your diet. Your client, your climate influences you. It, it, it changes your behavior on how you carry out your daily life. Trust me. The routine that Brother Wayne and, and Sister Sue have in Ohio is very different than what they have in Florida. Because the climate's different, especially in December. <laughs> in December, their, their habits may be shoveling a walk, turning up the thermostat when they're in Florida. It's playing shuffleboard outside or whatever they do. I don't know what they do. But I do know it's warmer. <laughs> Politics influence you. Your political uh, 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 government influences you. We have freedoms here that others don't have. We're, we're influenced by what we're able to do. We can freely discuss our government and tell it's whether it's good or bad. We're able to have that other places can't do that. And, and in turn, they are influenced by that. There's influences all around us. So my question to you is, what is influencing you tonight? What is changing your behavior? We read the scriptures about what I want to do 
versus what I actually do. What is influencing me? What is causing me? What is allowing me to make that decision? See, influencers, whether you like it or not, regardless of what influence we're talking about, influencers are leading you to something. That's their job. Stephen Covey says in his, uh, his seven highly, he, he wrote that book of seven highly effective or habits of the highly effective people. And, and John Maxwell echoes this in his uh, leadership books. But he says, leadership comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that is influence. A leader without influence is just someone going for, it's like a, a leader without followers is going for, just going for a long walk. There's nobody behind them. If a leader doesn't have influence, they're not leading. So if you're being influenced by something, they're leading you. Think about that. If I'm being influenced by that TV screen, I, they're leading me. If I'm being influenced by a family member, they're the leader. If I'm being influenced by something that shows up on my newscast, guess who's leading me? The influence leads you. What is influencing you? What is leading you? Where is it leading you? As our opening scripture mentioned, there's this war going on with inside of us. We want to do good, but we can't. We end up doing the thing that we don't want to do. I, I find this, that the, he goes in to say, I find this law in my mind and in my body that when I want to do good, evil is present with me. He, he kind of uh, laments in the scripture of why. Why do I keep doing this? He goes even as far to say, oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this battle? Who can save me from this state? that I am who can get me out of this place where I want to do good but I can't we know he goes on to say that he's thankful for Jesus Christ who's able to save us and we here in the congregation realize that it's only through Christ that we can overcome this battle amen But think about this battle that's occurring. Whether you're new to this church thing, maybe this is your first time here, or you're listening on live stream, you're like, I've never heard about any of this before. Or maybe you've been in this for decades upon decades. The battle still exists. I'm telling you, I've been in this thing since before I was born. And I'm telling you, the battle still exists. What I want to do versus what I do. What what I want to do good versus the bad stuff that I do. I'm telling you, the battle is real. The war is real. And it still exists. This dichotomy of decision, this predicament of proclivity, this choice of doing good or not, right or wrong, good or evil, what am I going to do? And to be completely honest, most of these decisions, unfortunately, are not that extreme or explicit. It's not Right or wrong. It's not, I'm going to kill the guy or I'm not going to kill the guy. That's pretty black and white, right? I'm going to steal or I'm not going to steal. That's an easy one. It's usually, it's close to being good versus less good. 
right? Those are the decisions that you're going, I, 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 I don't know. In life, it's very rarely the black and the white. That's easy. Everybody can do those. It's the more right versus less right. Right? So the decision, seemingly small, becomes difficult. And it's why this very educated, wise, and knowledgeable man of Paul was struggling so much. How do I resolve this? What pushes me one way versus the other? Because when you think about your life as a trajectory, if I can say the words right, if you think of it as a boat or a plane on a course, and they set a course of where your goal is going to be, when you get in an airplane, they know that if I'm taking off from from Pittsburgh and I want to head to Orlando, they know exactly where I want to go. And they align that plane to where I want to go, and they make adjustments along the way. But one degree adjustment can take me completely to the wrong place because of the distance I'm going. If I go one degree left or right, I can completely miss the mark. You ever seen them build a bridge from either side of the, of the, uh, of the, of, of, of the banks, right? One degree, one left or right, because that bridge isn't going to work because they don't meet in the middle. It's those small decisions. The Bible says this is small foxes that spoil the vine, right? It's those small things that we say, it's not a big deal. It's, it's less right versus more right. But I'm telling you, those little things and those tendencies that are happening that pushes you one way or the other become a very big deal over time. So what is it that pushes me one way versus the other way? It's influence. It's those things that we've allowed in our lives that provides a tendency to move one way versus another. You see, people who become addicts don't become addicts overnight. It's a series of small decisions and circumstances that lead them to a state of disaster. It's a series of of bad decisions of, well, it's just one time, and I'll be done. And then it's one more and one more. People don't backslide and leave a church in a moment. It takes time. It's a series of decisions and circumstances. It's a culmination of these little things that we make choices about that are a direct result of the influences in our life. Who is influencing you? Who or what are you allowing in that mind? Who or what are you allowing in your life? What is altering your behavior? What is guiding you to one side versus the other? The, the, the less good versus the more good or, 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 or the less bad versus the completely bad. Uh, what is providing the, the tendencies in your life? Paul went a little further in Galatians 5 and 7. He says, you did run well. You were doing great. But who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? He says, you were doing a great thing. You were going to church. You were praying. You were reading the Bible. You even lifted your hands in church and prayed. You were baptized in Jesus' name. You repented of your sins. God filled you with the Holy Ghost. You were doing great. Who 
stopped you from obeying the truth. Because he says in verse 8, this persuasion did not come from him that called you. If you are not where you think you need to be, trust me, it is not God leading you there. You see, in the first part of that book or that chapter, he says, stand therefore fast or stand fast therefore in the liberty or in the freedom where Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He implores us, you are free in Christ. Stay free. When you get into this thing, when you repent for the first time and you feel that weight of sin and guilt lifted off of you and you start feeling what the goodness of God is really all about, you start experiencing that peace that passes understanding. You start feeling that joy unspeakable and full of glory and you start saying this is what God is all about and you feel free for the first time. He's saying stay free. Don't allow these things to hinder you. Don't allow these things to to guide you somewhere else. Who hindered you? You were doing so well, but who stopped you? Who influenced your walk with God that you would not obey? Or, Or do what you know is right. Do what you're supposed to be doing and obeying the truth. That persuasion, that influence did not come from God. That influence comes from somewhere else. So I ask again tonight, what is influencing you? Because if I'm not going, and I'm not as strong, and I'm not where I need to be, then I have to look at my life very carefully. You see, we have to be very careful of who is influencing us. And we can do that by simply looking at our outcomes. Like I said with that boat or that plane, if if you're not ending up where you need to go, then we've got to start looking at where the adjustments were made. What, what was I lining up to? What was influencing me? What made me go to the left when I should have went to the right? See, I had a conversation with a, a young person this past week who is getting ready to go to college, and they were making a selection about where they were going. And, and, and I asked them, are, are they, they were visiting some schools, and I asked them, I said, so, so have you decided or are you still kind of shopping around? Like, did you make your choice? Because they're, they're pretty young still. And, or, or are you still kind of looking around? And, and the answer was, oh, no, 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 I, I decided. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's great. You're, you're pretty young. You've got your, your head on your shoulders. That's good for you. I was like, so, so you decided it, it, it was a done deal. And I, so I started asking like, why, why, why that school? Why, why are you going there? Because whether I like it or not before too long, you know, my son's going to be in the same situation looking at colleges. God help us all. I'm not ready for that. So I got the standard answers. It was a nice place. I liked it there. They even mentioned that there was a chocolate milk dispenser, like that they could just go in and get chocolate milk. That was a big deal, I guess. Um, and they went on through all the different things that, you know, you would expect to hear from, from a, an excited person ready to go out to school and, you know, try those things out. But, but then I heard something that kind of made it all click for me of why this school, of all the schools in the country, of all the schools in the state, you know, all these great schools that we have around. She said this, she said, well, my dad went there. Oh, 
your legacy. Well, yeah, my dad went there. My, my aunt went there. My, my uncle went there. And my cousin's going to be there. And they have a car. And I'm not allowed to have a car. And it kind of came on. It came on. And it became apparent to me, at least, that the family definitely influenced the decision. They made the decision all right. But there was a quite a bit of influence, I think, from the family to go there than before really looking at any other option. Now, I'm not saying that was a bad decision. It's probably the best thing for them. They're going to have a great time. It's a good school. Like it wasn't a bad decision, but you have to step back when you make these little choices in your life to realize, why did I make that decision? You see... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. I can make up my mind just because my parents or my, or my uh, family or, or my extended family or, yes, even my wife says, hey, I want you to do this. I still have the ability to stand firm on the word of God and say, I need to make the decision for me the best that I can do as it lines with the word of God. That's on me. I've got to watch what influences me. My buddy, I can, I can have a best friend that says, hey, Mike, I want to do this, I want to do that. And say, yeah, I'd like to do that too, but I can't allow it to influence the decisions in my life. He may want to go one way or the other way, and I'm like, hey, I've got to make the decision for me. You see, we need to understand what we are under the influence of. You see, we're all under the influence of. Of something. I know in driving, that's not a very good thing. It means something very different. But in life, it can have just as, if not more, drastic impacts as under the influence in driving. Operating our lives under an incorrect or bad influence can still have everlasting effects. And we need to understand and be aware of what is influencing us and not allow negative influences in our lives. One of the things, and it's kind of a left-hand turn here, but I, I feel we need to understand this to really understand what God is all about is that we also need to be sure that we know the difference between being influenced or influencing others and being manipulated. See, many of the things that we say that we're influenced by are really we're being manipulated. You see, in many of the examples, we are not being influenced as much as we are being manipulated. When you, when you look at all of these different things on, on those, those Insta, chat, Snap, FaceTube things, whatever they are, influence is when a person is being honest and open with you and trying to move you towards something by persuading you with all the benefits. That is what influence is all about. If I want you to do something, I'm trying to influence your decision, I'm going to give you all the details. I'm going to be open and honest, and I'm going to tell you all the great things about it. It's like when we talk about heaven, and we say, man, you want heaven. It's a great place. When we start talking about the Spirit of God and all the things it can do for you, I'm telling you, that is me trying to influence you to make a decision to live for Christ because of all the good stuff that He can do. The intent is to move you to a better position and provide all the information you need to make an informed decision. 
Manipulation, though, on the other hand, in short, is when someone tries to move you away from something through the use, primarily through the use of fear or guilt. Their intent is to be dishonest and withhold information to achieve the outcome they want and will likely cause damage in your relationship. A couple examples for you. You see, influence is like a win-win. Manipulation is more like a win-lose. You lose, they win. You're at a car dealership, and you know that, that what you want, and, and you have established the best price for the vehicle, and you're unsure whether to commit or not, so you say, you're going to go away, and you're going to think about it for a while. But the salesperson tells you, well, the offer is limited. Ever hear that one? It's a short-time offer. you got to get it now. And you don't, if you don't purchase today, you're going to miss out when, in fact, the offer is really available for another couple weeks. The salesperson is distorting the truth and is manipulating you into buying the car. Just not being honest, not being truthful. You're at the same car dealership. You're about to purchase a car. You found the salesperson. Lists a number of extra options with the car. They list all the features and benefits of the options, highlighting their advantages, and you ultimately opt to take the extras. I've never been in that situation. Like, well, you can get the, 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 what is it? I can't even think. The power seats and the power windows and the GPS, and it will even drive for you and make coffee in the back and, you know, have a cookie dispenser and, you know, all the different extras that cars have nowadays, right? And they tell you all the great things, but in the future, you realize that you really didn't need all those extras, like the backup camera. I don't even use it. I don't like it. I'd rather have the mirrors. Right? You didn't need all the extras, but you don't feel manipulated. Why? Because the salesperson told you and explained the benefits. You just miscalculated the value you would get from them. He told you everything. This is going to do this. Okay, yeah, you're right. I, bought, I paid for them. You told me about them. I don't feel manipulated. This next one might hit a little closer to home. You're getting ready to go out for the night, and your significant other... Uh, and you want your significant other to dress a specific way. And we'll just leave it at that, all right? You want them to wear a certain outfit, or you want them to dress a certain way. You know, in most homes, when you, it's, when you walk out, it's the wife looking at them. You're going to wear that? It's usually what you hear. You want your significant other to dress a certain way. You are influenced if you say, man, I wish you'd wear whatever, because I think you look great in it, or I wish you'd wear it because it looks great on you. You are encouraged them transparently towards an outcome that you would like. Honey, you would just look great if you wore that, that dress I bought for you last week. I'm telling you, I just love that on you. You're just telling them how much you would like it. If they don't wear it, all right, but if they do wear it, you're, gonna, you're being honest. I would love the way you look in that. You're manipulating them if you say, you know what, honey, it would just ruin my evening if you wore that tonight. Not only that, your evening already ruined. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but you're manipulating them because the outcome, because it wouldn't ruin your evening, would it? You're not being truthful. You're not being honest. The outcome may be the same, but the process is very different. Your, your relationship is encouraged in one and damaged in the other. You see, Eve was manipulated in the garden. 
Satan came and had a persuasion for her to decide through the use of fear, right? The fear of missing out. Yes, Eve was the first victim of FOMO, for those of you who know what that is. She was afraid that she didn't know good from evil. She was afraid that she was being left out of something that God had for everybody else but her. Satan came and told her all this stuff, but he didn't provide her all the information. He withheld some. Why? So that he could get them thrown out and he could cause separation between God and his prized creation. She was manipulated. We have to be very careful of our influence of where it allows us to persuade. You see, we are going to be persuaded. We are going to be influenced. You see, God will never manipulate us. He will only influence us. You see, God says, now therefore is no condemnation. He's not going to throw guilt on us. God says, you know what? When you come to me, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He doesn't try to tell us all the bad stuff. He says, you know what? I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you joy. I've come to give you comfort. You know, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comfort to to you that it can lead God and direct you to all truth and righteousness. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. I've come to give you life everlasting. I've come that you may not have death, but you will live forever. God will never manipulate, but he will always influence our lives if we allow him. You see, we are going to be persuaded. We are going to be influenced. Influence is everywhere, whether you like it or not. You're being influenced, and we need to look at our outcomes to make sure it is a good place for us to be. One of the most heartbreaking stories of the New Testament is with King Agrippa. He was speaking with Paul who was in chains. And Paul started talking to him about Christ, about him dying, about him rising again, about what he did for salvation, about the uh, plan of salvation of baptism, repentance, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And in Acts chapter 26 and 28, the King Agrippa looked at Paul and said, almost... You persuaded me to be a Christian. You almost influenced me. You almost, I almost allowed you to guide me one way versus another. Jesus experienced this in Matthew when he was talking to a rich young ruler who came to him and said, teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he looked at him and said, go and sell everything that you have and give to the poor. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I've done all those things. He said, but give it to the poor. And he says, wait a second. I can't do that. And in Matthew 19 and 22, it says the young man heard that saying and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. They could not be persuaded. They couldn't allow that influence to happen. All they had to do was look at their lives knowing that I'm not happy. I am sorrowful. I can't do what I want to do. All I seem to do is the evil. All I seem to do is the bad. I can't direct my course. But I'm here to tell you tonight that I am persuaded that God's love is able to get us through any problem that we have 
have in our lives. Paul said in Romans, he said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to understand, if you are under the influence of God, if you have His love applied to you, if you know who He is, you have you have the victory over death, hell, and the grave. You have this victory that Paul was looking for of how do I get out of this war? God's got it right there in His war. Amen. You see, God's love, His love, His perfect love casts out all fear. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The Bible says there is no more condemnation. Instead, He influences you to a better place. He persuades you to a better life. He provides you all the information you need to make heaven your home. You have the freedom to choose. You have the freedom to listen to the influence. But the question is, is do I want to walk away? sorrowful like that rich young ruler? Do I want to walk away and say you almost persuaded me like King Agrippa or do I want to live a life and life more abundantly? What am I going to allow to influence my life? How can I be sure my influence is good but first we have to fix the mind. Sister Ferguson, growing up, used to have a saying that we would have stinking thinking. Meaning our minds weren't where it's supposed to be. And many of us have stinking thinking and think that the influences from anywhere outside of God's plan is going to guide us to a good place. The logic doesn't follow. If I want to be where God wants to be, then I better be listening to God. We've got to first fix our mind. In Romans, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And how do we do that? And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, changed, made to something new. How? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove. What is proof? It's evidentiary. Meaning I have evidence. I can look at the outcomes of my life and see proof. What is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. That's what we're talking about here tonight, folks. Is I should be able to look at my life and know with evidence based on where I am, what I'm doing, how my life is going. Am I listening to God or am I not? Because I can prove it. We need to not allow ourselves to be conformed to this world and its thinking. This world is full of people and ideals that are not aligned with the word of God. Boys can be girls. Girls can be boys. They can be both or neither at the same time. I haven't quite figured it out myself. Up is down. Down is up. It seems like you can't believe anything that's coming across your television screens or your internet anymore. We need to get our minds cleared up and cleaned up. We need to get our minds focused on him. There was an old song that says, I got my mind 
stayed on Jesus. We've got to get our minds back to working and looking and thinking about what he wants us to do. We need to do that by making sure that those voices in our heads, and no, not the ones that you chat with on a daily basis. I'm talking about those influencers, those things that are speaking into your life and you're following and you're listening and it's causing you to go one way or another that are speaking into our hearts and that we got to make sure those voices are the right ones, right? We need to make sure that they're coming from your preachers and your teachers and your apostles and your evangelists and, and your fellow believers. But, but even then, we still need to filter that because guess what? People aren't perfect. It is still up to you and your responsibility and ability to sit and compare it to what God says. That's why he gave us the Bible. That's why the word is in front of us. That's why it's so important that we say, read your Bible. Don't just come to church and expect the man to tell you what it says. But it's for you to eat and to live. It's your daily bread. It's what gives you what you need to live every day of your life. That you can look at it and say, am I being influenced properly? But how do we get there? What are the things I should be looking at? In Philippians, it says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or truth, if there be any praise, think on these things. Can we stand tonight? We've got to get our minds cleaned out of all these things that influence us. We need to take a bearing. That's what we used to do in Boy Scouts when we had the compass and we had to make it through the woods and we had to make it to a place somewhere in the distance, but we couldn't see it. Throughout our hike, you had to stop and check your bearing. Am I still going in the right direction? Am I still doing what I need to do? I hope the goal you're trying to get to is heaven. I I, I really hope that you have a desire to walk on the streets of gold for real. I I hope it's real enough to you that you know that one day we're going to walk through those gates of pearl. I, I really hope that you have materialized it in your mind and your life that one day you will have a real crown that you're going to throw at the feet of a real Jesus. That you're really going to be surrounded by a body of believers that can't be counted as they sing Hosanna, praise, glory to the King of Kings. And to the Lord of Lords. I hope that's your goal tonight. So I'm asking you, if that's your goal, it's time to check our bearings. Am I still lined up with making heaven my home? Am I still doing what I'm supposed to be doing, or am I allowing these influencers to change and alter my behavior? Do I need to return as they? said to the church of Laodicea, do I need to return to my first works? Do I need to get back and say, God, I need to repent 
and say, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. God said he's faithful and just to forgive you when you ask him. So you're never too far away to where you can start back and say, God, I know I may have got off course a little bit here and there, but I don't want to be influenced by that anymore. But God, I want to be influenced by your love. I want to be influenced by your spirit. God, I want to be led by your Holy Ghost to all truth, to all righteousness. What is influence? It's leading. What is the Spirit? It leads, guides, directs to all truth and righteousness. What's influencing your decisions in your life? We're opening these altars right now. You can come. You can have some time with God. What will be your response? What? Is there something that's causing you not to step forward? What's that influence in your life? Is there something that is causing you to step forward and find some time? What influence are you going to allow in your life? Are there voices that you allow to have more of an impact than you should have? Are there, have you allowed manipulators to rule in your life? I wonder if you have, if you can just allow God to speak now. Allow Him to speak into your life. He said, take my yoke upon you. My burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, allow me to speak in your life and I'll give you peace that passes understanding. Allow that perfect love that casts out all fear persuade you. Allow that influence to affect your life in ways that you've never dreamed possible. It is the greatest thing that you'll ever, ever do. Can you come tonight? Find a place. Talk to God. And let him talk to you.